we really are just grateful that you have come and positioned yourself in a place where you can hear of this Jesus. And if you're part of another church uh, from out of town and visiting family, I'm so glad that you could come and just worship with us. And I trust that it's a, a special time this morning. By uh, acknowledgement, whether by show of hands or by nod of heads or whatever, just that I know who I'm talking to here. Have any of you had people that have spoken or said things to you or about you that have deeply hurt you? Okay. I'm talking to people, at least I'm not just preaching to myself today, which I really appreciate. Now, over the years, I think we all have stories like I've got, and I'm not going to go into any great detail, but uh, over the years, you can recount stories where people have, have said things or even written things about you, and you, you know them not to be true, but actually they so deeply hurt you and cut into you that because of our, I suppose our psyche, which is not as pure or as whole as it should be, it actually gets into us and we start to believe what people say about us. And it actually starts to shape us and we start to walk with a limp. People can identify with that. I know that people have said things over the years uh, to me, about me, that it's taken years for God to get that out of my system. And uh, I think I would be lying if I said that I'm completely free of all comments of the past. I, I, I think that there are still some things that uh, every now and again a situation will arise and I go like, oh, yeah, that, I'll tie that back to a word that was spoken there and I want to believe it's not true. I, I kind of in my head believe it's not true, but I don't live like it's not true because there is still that wound. Imagine, imagine we could live a life where those words don't shape us or hurt us or harm us. Who would want to live that kind of a life? So we know, those of us that have taken hold of Jesus Christ, we know that that is going to be our eternal reality. I think what some of us don't know is that it can be our present reality. And what I want to do today as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, is I want to look at one component piece of what he has won through his resurrection. We talked about on Friday, uh, we spoke around uh, the fact that Jesus came that we may have life. We spoke around the fact that he willingly went through excruciating pain. We connected fullness of life looking like Sabbath rest or looking like eternal rest. And we understand that rest is found in the legacy of Jacob when there's a desire and we clothe ourselves in Jesus Christ. We're able to smell and to feel like him even though we don't necessarily sound like him. And that gives us this hope and this life and uh, what fullness of life looks like. And then there's this resurrection of Jesus. And we're going to read an account now. Very simple. I'm using an account that uh, is not often preached on Easter Sunday because it really is just a simple Record statement of fact, not the emotive language of the ladies rocking up at the tomb and then Jesus not in the tomb and then the disciples running there and not finding him. And what is this thing? I'm, I'm not going there. I'm just going with a statement of fact. And then I trust that I'll be able to lead us into a greater revelation of Jesus, that I would be able to shed some light on the object of Jesus Christ, on Jesus Christ's death and resurrection that gives us greater clarity of the life, the freedom that we have now because he's been raised from the dead. 
We're going to start in Acts chapter 2, verse 29 to 36. Acts chapter 2, 29 to 36. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried. And his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah. Another word for Messiah is the Christ, the anointed one. That he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Don't you love the authority with which this is written? Just absolutely, I mean, just the language, the confidence. I can tell you confidently. Jesus was raised to life because I witnessed it. The writer goes, we are witnesses to this fact. I love the end. Israel, be assured of this. Be assured that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and the Anointed One, the Messiah, the Christ. I love this language. And we always have this, uh, I suppose, this challenge in our lives. There is the Word of the Lord that is spoken accurately and plainly and truthfully. Just in case some of you thought it was a rut. It's not rut, it says truth, depending on where my shirt falls. But we have a decision to make as to whether we believe this to be true or not. Do we believe in the authority of the Word of God? Or do we believe in the words that have been spoken over us in the past that have made an incision into our hearts and into our minds that define our reality? Decision time. Decision time. On the third day, Jesus was raised from the dead. This is today that we celebrate it. Every year, we, we have this weekend where we highlight the resurrection of Jesus uh, probably more fully, uh, or we remember it just a little bit more than we would every Sunday or every day for that matter as we just highlight this moment. But uh, the reality is God, in raising Jesus from the dead, affirmed and confirmed many things. So Jesus said many things about himself, that I will come and you will have life through me. I am the Son of God. I am the firstborn. All of you will be sons and daughters if you take hold of Jesus. He said many things. Then there was that moment that he died. And everybody didn't know if that would be true. And so the fact that God our Father raised him from the dead 
is an affirmation of all that Jesus said. We've got to believe whether that's true or not today. That is a decision, an internal decision that we make. What I want to do is I, I'm going to make my point right up front. On Friday, I held you to the end. Today, I'm going to give it to you right up front. And then what I'm going to try to do is add some weight to it. So that it will, it will hit us up front. But like most people, we'll kind of go, okay, God, is that really true? And I'm going to build a little case that will hopefully get so deep inside of us that the words that are spoken from this platform through the scriptures today will start to shape us far more than the words of people of the past. But we have to go back in the story. We have to go back a few days. We have to go back to the day Jesus was crucified. And so I'm going to read from John chapter 19, verse 19 to 22. And what's happened is there's an encounter. The Jews, the Pharisees, the rulers of the day are not liking Jesus. Because Jesus said, I am the Son of God. And they're saying, yes, blasphemy. You're not the Messiah. We're still waiting for the Messiah. You're not the King to come and rule. You are not fitting into all the rules that we have set. You're not that guy. And so in Jewish law, they weren't allowed to kill somebody, even though blasphemy was, by law, allowed, you were allowed to kill somebody. So I don't know why the Pharisees weren't allowed to do that, but... They were kind of saying, we can't do that. So you, Pilate, who was the ruler of the Roman Empire in that area, you kill him. You order the crucifixion. We'll gladly undertake it. But we need to give you authority. And this is the encounter. John chapter 19, verse 19 to 22. Pilate has said, he's handed Jesus over. I'm going to crucify you now. And Pilate had a notice prepared. And fastened it to the cross. And it read this. Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign. For the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And the sign was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate. Do not write the king of the Jews. But rather write that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. Maybe you can just close your eyes for a minute. What I have written, I have written. Pilate, in that moment, had the authority to give Jesus life or to give him death. So he thought. Therefore, only he had the authority to write the statement that was going to go above Jesus' head. All the Jews protested. Don't write that. He said, I have written what I have written. The resurrection of Jesus Christ today removes every false placard from above your head and replaces it with what only he the one who has life and death in his hands, gets to say. Jesus is the only one that gets to say, it is written. I have written what I have written. And today, ma'am or sir, young man, young lady, I want to say to you that over your head, there have been false authorities who claimed to be the author and the perfecter of your life and your death, who have said things, have written things, 
have put placards above your head that have defined and shaped who you are. And today I want to tell you that by God affirming Jesus Christ, by, by raising him from the dead, he removes all of those placards, and the only one that gets to stand is the one that Jesus writes over your life. And I'm going to help you believe that today. Because my desire is that we would all live in the freedom that the death and life of Jesus Christ brought to us. Is that okay? There is so much power in words. So much power. We'll be sitting in conversations with groups of people and somebody will say, Oh, Jackie, you know Jackie, da 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 And someone will say, Oh, but actually, I don't know her like that. I know her like this. I, I, well, I know her like this and I know her like this. And all those conversations start to shape what people think about Jackie and Jackie's not even in the room. And that happens about all of us. All of us are spoken about by somebody else outside of the room. And, and these words are incredibly powerful. We know the creation account. Actually, it was the spoken word and suddenly things came to be. There is power in words. Jesus knew the power of words. Before he was kind of um, appointed to his ministry, he got taken off into the desert. And so what does the enemy do? He tempts him. You can turn this stone into bread because he was hungry. What does Jesus do? It is written. It is written that man shall not live on bread alone. Jesus, throw yourself down and all the angels will come and rescue you. Jesus goes, it is written. I shall not put the Lord God to test. Jesus, come here. All of this land that you can see, I will give you. It is, if you will worship me. It is written. Worship the Lord your God alone. Jesus understood the power of it is written, but he also understood the power of which writings he should listen to. Which authority was his. Just a little story that Jax and I have just experienced. A year ago, uh, Jed was in a school, and there was this moment where the teacher, Jax and the teacher were talking, and the teacher came and said, oh, you don't have to worry about that. As of next year, the classes go A, B, C, D, and then they go mixed ability. Jed will just go into mixed ability. You don't have to worry that he's not understanding all of this. And it was like a cut to the heart. And for a year, Jax and I have been crying out to God to say, what? are these words true, aren't they? What is your destiny over your life? You speak life, we believe your words. This teacher, da 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 Anyway, we took him just recently, this past week, for an um, educational psychologist test. And he does a whole lot of testing, da 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 and he comes back, and uh, I, I learned a whole lot of stuff just through the report. But bottom line is this, that you get different gradings of, IQ, you get superior IQ, you get above average IQ, upper, you get above average IQ, lower, average IQ, below average, below average IQ, and you, you get all of those things. And Jed came back on a couple of his tests as superior IQ. And so we go, actually, God, if we had believed what the teacher said, just because Jed and the teacher, Jed didn't relate to the teaching style of one person, he could have believed that lie, gone into mixed ability, and never fulfilled the purposes of God in his life. But because he had people that reflected God, that said, actually, we're not going to believe the words of this teacher because we see something different. And we're going to keep pleading with God. And we're going to keep saying, what is the truth over this young man? And then we would go and get him tested by someone else. And her response is, why did you even come for testing? 
not knowing the backstory. And I don't share that story to puff up Jed. I share that story because we've all got that story. We've all got that story. And you need to know that there is someone fighting for you to undo the, ah, don't worry about it. You can just be in the mixed ability class. I am okay with the baby crying, but we do have a mom's room if that would be better for you. Just across the courtyard. Words are powerful. For some of you, your spouse has spoken words that have hurt you and formed you. For some of you, your parents have spoken words that have hurt you and formed you. For some of you, your teachers have spoken words that have hurt you and formed you. At the 10 o'clock service, there's going to be a lady and a gentleman who have flown over from the Middle East and they're going to be sitting in this service who many of you have heard us say what they prophesied over Kiara in October, Kevin and Nicole Fanek. And in those darkest days when everything looked naturally like it was heading to death, we held on to the power of the words that they spoke where Kiara would have life. Who do we choose to listen to, friends? The power of the resurrected Jesus Christ orders the words that are written over our lives. So what is written over us? What is written over us? The power of words is powerful. What is written over us? Galatians chapter 3, 26 to 29 says this. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. So what's written over your head is child of God in faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That is what is written over our heads, friends. If you are black, you are not inferior because an apartheid government said so. Wrong words written over your head. If you are white, you are not superior because apartheid government said so. Wrong words written over your head. If you are female, you are not less because that is what society has determined. Wrong words written over your head. If you are male, you are not authoritative and abusive over your wives because, or ladies because that is what society has deemed acceptable. Wrong words written over your head. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, nor male nor female. When we come to Jesus Christ, there is one. We are sons. And why sons? Because sons got the inheritance. Every single person... Black, white, Indian, male, female, young, old, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, all of that counts for nothing when we take hold by faith what Jesus Christ has done for us. We all are inheritors. Will you believe that today? 
Jesus declares, you are his. I don't know if you've heard about this thing called the Lamb's Book of Life. So uh, most of us will know it from the book of Revelation. Uh, And it's mentioned three times in the book of Revelation. The Lamb's Book of Life. So I'm going to quickly tell you what it is. So the Lamb's Book of Life. So Jesus Christ is known as the Lamb. And uh, the reason that he was known as the Lamb was... In, in old, before Jesus Christ, for Jewish people, for sins to be forgiven, you had to sacrifice a lamb. And so the lamb was the sacrifice that covered your sin. And so Jesus became that substitution, and so he was called the lamb. Okay, so in easy, we've all got that. And so the lamb's book of life, I've come that you may have life. And so that book as we read in Revelation, but also as I'm about to tell you in multiple other places throughout the Scriptures, that book, if your name is found in it, what is written over your life is assured of salvation. Assured of salvation. And it's mentioned in Revelation three times. And it's mentioned in Hebrews. And it's mentioned in Philippians. And it's mentioned in Daniel. Daniel the prophet knew about the Lamb's book of life. Even before Jesus Christ was living. Exodus, Moses knew about the Lamb's book of life. Even before Jesus was coming. Because God has always said, I have a book. And people by faith who take hold of me are assured of their salvation. Why am I making much of this, friends? Because I see so many people who wonder, today I did something bad. Am I kicked out of the kingdom of God? Today I did something good. As though anything of your works can keep you in the kingdom of God. Now I did something bad and you just, you live like a ping pong ball or a pinball. Just not knowing what words to believe. Somebody says as a parent to a child, oh, you did that badly. Oh, no, have I lost my salvation? By faith, we take hold of Jesus and it is written in the Lamb's book of life by His blood and by the approval of God who raised Him from the dead. Nothing that we do outside of receiving the gift from Jesus. And he says you are assured of salvation. So we have these words. Assured of salvation. Son of God. But we also have these words. You're black. You're white. You're male. You're female. You're too young. You're too old. We, we have all of these things written over our heads. So who has authority? Who has authority to place that board? The Jews were saying, no, Pilate, don't write that, but rather write, say that he proclaimed, he claimed to be the Son of God, but Pilate had the authority because he was the one that says, what I have written, I have written. So who has authority over you? Who has authority? John chapter 19, verse 4 to 8 What we have is this encounter and uh, Pilate and Jesus, Pilate's kind of questioning Jesus. And Jesus just starts keeping quiet. And Pilate goes, don't you know that I have authority to let you live or to put you to the cross? Don't you know? And Jesus, I I can imagine that encounter uh, in my head. It plays out just with this quiet confidence because he knows who has authority. But there is this encounter because Pilate thought he was in charge. He thought he had authority. You are the king of the Jews. 
and I will crucify you. See, what Pilate wrote above his head as a mocking was actually a prophetic declaration of God. Jesus, a little bit later in this encounter, and uh, in verse 19, 11, so just a few verses down, he hasn't answered anything that Pilate's asked him. And when Pilate is pulling his hair out and just saying, don't you know, don't you know, don't you know that I have authority? I can just see short little plump man going blood red in the face, veins bulging here. Why are you not listening to my authority? Jesus just calmly says, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Jesus, with this security and this confidence in knowing who is his authority. Why does resurrection matter today, friends? It's because Jesus has power over death. Jesus has power over death. We read in Hebrews chapter 2, 14 to 15. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power, listen to this, he may break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. What we see in Matthew chapter 28, I'm, I'm throwing out a lot of scriptures here because actually my authority is the word of God. Words are powerful. We've got to choose where we're going to take our power from and which authority. It says, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus says that about himself. All authority has been given to me. Why? Because God raised him from the dead. Why? Because God approved that actually he was the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one who was to become Lord over all the heavens and all the earth. All authority got placed into Jesus' hands. All authority. And in Matthew 28, when he says, all authority has been given to me, now be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I.e., when you take faith in me as Jesus Christ, suddenly you inherit the authority that's been given to me. And actually, you can start to take authority submitted to Christ, but authority of your own life. That's not, that's not a... I'm very careful here. Not running away to suddenly be your own person. But actually, there's authority that comes upon us when we are submitted to Christ by the power of the Spirit of God. But because all authority was given to Jesus, every other person that speaks words which do not reflect God our Father are false words over you and have no authority. No authority. See, today, friends, because of the resurrection, we get to live free of that stuff which has hurt us and shaped us and formed us and caused us to walk with a limp. And every time we encounter a similar situation, that wound opens up and it's like it's not able to seal anymore. Actually, when we bring it to Jesus Christ and the work of the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, the affirmation of new life, new life is able to flood into us. Jesus has all authority. And what that means for us what that means for us 
is of all that which is written above our head. Only a few remain. Sons of God. Inheritors of the kingdom of God. Inheritors of the life of God. Assured of your salvation by faith. That's what remains. Everything else falls away because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because his work was complete and approved by the one who had total authority. It gets even better. His resurrection gives us purpose. His resurrection gives us purpose. Because now not only do we have words written over our lives that we are responding to and kind of like, okay, well, uh, this is the direction. Whatever people in authority have said, that's the direction. Actually, we know God has said, as sons and daughters and as ministers of reconciliation, suddenly you become my instruments for this good news that today we are hearing and reminding ourselves on, and some of you are potentially hearing for the first time. This good news becomes the story for you to tell. As, your, as you find freedom in the news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, so that becomes other people's freedoms. If you will represent God and under the authority of the Spirit of God, be those that start to rewrite signs over people's heads as you engage them and encounter them. And as you come close and intimate with them, you're able to recognize that what the teacher wrote over Jed's head is a lie. Just because you didn't know how to deal with him does not mean that he is defined by that. We pull that one off. We put another one on. We carry purpose. We carry the life of God. Not only for our own benefit, our freedom creates, a, what's the word, a vortex. It creates a vacuum for other people to be brought into that same freedom. Can we stand together? This morning, I want to give you a decision to make, to respond to. Will you agree with what God has written over your life? Will you agree with what God has written over your life? And we're going to do this in two parts. Am I able to get a little bit of music? In the words of Craig Clark, God doesn't need music, but sometimes it's helpful for us. Maybe you're here in this auditorium this morning and you have never heard that you can be assured of salvation, that there is someone that covered over all of your sin and messed up, your messes up and your everything that disqualifies. You've never heard that. You've never heard that there's a loving God that approved of that sacrifice and paid it all, all the debt paid, in order that we may live free. And if you've never heard that or you've never responded this morning, I want to I, I help you. I want to give you that opportunity to say yes to Jesus. It's in Jesus Christ that we get to live this freedom that I've been speaking about. It's in Jesus Christ that we get to become inheritors of the kingdom of God, even today, not just in the eternal that waits beyond this life on earth, even today. And I want to give you an opportunity to say, I, I want to take hold of Jesus. And by faith, Nothing that you can do outside of just saying yes to Him. By faith, you will find salvation. If there is anyone in this room that today wants to say, Jesus, I have never, by faith, taken hold of you, but today I want to do that. I'm going to ask you to just stick up your hand. I want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. 
We want to help you take your next step. Is there anyone here that would say yes to Jesus for the first time? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you. Okay, can we pray together? Jesus, I want to thank you for these two people. Thank you that by faith, Spirit of God, you have today opened their eyes to see the magnificence of the resurrected Jesus. And we pray, Spirit of God, that you would continue to affirm in them the work that you have completed. We thank you that salvation has come upon them. Thank you that their sins are forgiven. Thank you that there is a new creation today, this moment. There is a new creation because of a decision to take hold of you, Jesus. And so we thank you that by faith today, they become sons of God, not in a gender-specific role, but as inheritors of the kingdom. We thank you, Jesus, for salvation. Thank you, Jesus. And I want to ask us, today, if you want to take hold of the freedom that Christ has won for us in the resurrection, that today, you can let go of words that have shaped you, formed you, wounded you. I would ask for you to respond, just to say, actually, Rich, I'm here, I'm bruised, I'm hurt. I know that I walk with a limp because of what has transpired in the past. I would love to pray for you because I believe that the Spirit of God is able to come in in a moment, lift things off of you. If that's you, I'm going to ask you with great courage to just raise your hand so that I can see you. It's, it's for me. Thank you. There we go. There we go. Let's keep your hands raised. I'm going to pray for us. Spirit of God, I thank you. I thank you that there is only one true authority. And that is Jesus Christ, because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Him. And I thank you that right now, as hands are raised, I thank you that you, Spirit of God, are able to come in and you're able to rewrite. You're able to take down the plaques, the insignias, the things that have been written over these people's hearts and minds. You're able to take those down and you're able to rewrite. And so we thank you that in this moment, you rewrite sons of God, inheritors of the kingdom, faithful, true, saved for all assurance of salvation because of the work of Jesus Christ, the completed work of Jesus. Purpose. Thank you that you are rewriting. And Spirit of God, I pray that you may go deep inside where the wounds, where the wounds find their home and that you, like a great and skillful surgeon, would, would take these out. Take them out. Take them out. And may freedom... May freedom come upon every man and woman with their hands raised now. And Jesus, I pray for all of us that we would continue to know you more and more and the beauty of your resurrection. We thank you, Father, that you accepted your son, Jesus. That you accepted the work on the cross. That we can stand forgiven, but not only forgiven, that forgiveness allows us to walk into life. Thank you that we can have it today and every day for all eternity going forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.